0: Well, hello and welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones, I'm one of the pastors on staff, and we are so glad that you are here with us today. And if you're joining us online, thank you so much for being here as well. Well, today we are continuing in our message or our Christmas message series, Unusual Gifts. And next week is the last week of our services for 2021. Can you believe it already? Yeah. Now there's another Sunday, but uh, that Sunday uh, at the end of the month, we give off to all of our volunteers and all all of you guys because we want you to spend time uh, with your family and your friends and so enjoy your Christmas uh, with everyone uh, on that last Sunday. And so um, you're going to receive an invite card and we would love for you to invite somebody uh, to next week's services uh, as it is our Christmas service and also the conclusion of our message series. And if you are online and can make it in town, we would love to have you as well. Now, uh, last week, if you missed last week, Brian, uh, again, started us off with this uh, Christmas message series, which was just amazing um, last week as we began to kick that off and everything. And uh, as we prepare for the birth of our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, we start to look at the three gifts that the wise men uh, brought um, to worship Jesus. And so we're gonna do a little quiz. Uh, if you're online, you can like uh, guess uh, through the chat. Uh, if you're here on, on site, I'd love for you to shout out the answers. And the question is this, uh, what were the three gifts that were given? Hey, there we go. A little slow. Somebody up front like, gets an A+. Plus, but uh, the rest of you, you know, we'll uh, work on that. So don't worry. you got two more weeks of this message series. But anyways, um, so exactly right. And Matthew, who is one of Jesus' disciples, uh, who also interviewed his mother, uh, records for us what transpired during this time. And so in Matthew 2, 9... Um, He writes, And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was uh, born at that time. And so last week we learned that the wise men came when Jesus most likely was 12 months or 18 months old. Uh, They didn't come right when the shepherds came. The shepherds came first and then the wise men a little bit later. So when they saw the star, they were filled with, and what's that word? joy they were filled with joy and they entered the house and they saw the child with mother mary and they bowed down and they worshiped him now why would these powerful men worship an infant well we'll come back to that okay Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, not only are those are like unusual gifts for us today, but those were very unusual gifts to give to an infant back then, and especially someone who was born amongst the lowest of the low, now uh, we all receive uh, unusual gifts at Christmas time, don't we? At times, and uh, I'm sure we've all have been given like one of those as seen as on TV uh, products, right? Um, so I thought we'd have a little bit of fun. Um, if you're looking for a Christmas gift uh, to still purchase, uh, I'm going to give us the top ten uh, as seen on TV gifts uh, that actually work. That's unusual, right? Um, and. So you might wanna get your like, cameras ready, pictures, uh, get ready to uh, put this on Facebook for those who still need to get you a gift. But number 10, the red copper square pan. How many of you have that? Like raise your hand, yeah, see? And they love it, they love it, it works, okay? Number nine. The Sham Wow, you remember that guy? I mean, whew, yeah. Now, the hairstyle might be out of date at this point, but the Sham Wow works. Number eight, the Magic Bullet. You can get this probably at Target and Walmart. I think it's that popular, okay? Number seven, Mighty Putty. It will fix any crack, repair, or anything. I wouldn't use it, but supposedly it seals everything. Uh, number six, the Power Air Fryer Oven. I missed out on that, so I don't know. Oh, one person did not. All right, that's awesome. <clears throat> number five, my pillow, I got mine. How about you? All right. Number four, the Scrub Daddy. Now this is amazing. This is the number one product on Shark Tank made over 250 million. No wonder this guy's smiling. I mean, yeah. And then number three, the Slap Chop. That if you want to train for a ninja, be a ninja warrior. There you go. All right, number two, the garden genie, or if you want to be Wolverine in the garden, okay? (laughs) Kids might help you. And number one, the Express Platinum Countertop Cooker. What does that do? Man, it cooks dessert, pizza, omelets, something else. I don't know, but it does it in minutes instead of hours. So that's a direct quote, okay? So anyways, if you are looking for a gift that's unusual, there you go, that might help you out. Now, fortunately, the three unusual gifts that were given to Jesus had more significance and much more spiritual uh, meaning to that. And so uh, we're going to talk about gold next week, uh, which symbolizes Jesus as king. And last week, uh, Brian talked about frankincense, and that represents or symbolizes Jesus as the high priest, or our high priest, and that he offered himself, gave up his life uh, so that he can intercede on our behalf, that he can sympathize with us, that he knows exactly what we're going through. Now, today, we are going to talk about the gift of myrrh, okay? Okay. And so the gift of myrrh, if you don't know what that is, uh, it is a resin or gum-like material from trees, okay? And in ancient times, uh, they would take that, and it was actually equivalent to the value of gold or actually more expensive at times than gold. And they would take that substance and make it into an oil, a sacred oil that would be used to embalm bodies, and it would help with uh, giving it a, the body a pleasant scent, and then also to aid in s- uh, slowing down the decaying process. Now, another uh, use for myrrh, uh, but not as like known, was that it could actually be used um, as a healing agent. So, why would these wise men present this expensive oil to an infant? I mean, wasn't that just for like dead people? And why would these Wise men worship an infant. And what does the significance of myrrh have to do with us? Now, many scholars, and I agree with them, um, believe that myrrh represents the things that would come to pass, okay? And they think that it represents Jesus as the suffering servant uh, who is the Lamb of God who was born to die for the forgiveness of our sins. And for the rest of our time together, we're going to look at this uh, Old Testament prophecy from Isaiah, who wrote about uh, what the Messiah would be like and what he would do. And it gives us insight into why myrrh was an appropriate gift. That they would bring so go ahead and turn to Isaiah 53 verse 1 in your Bibles uh, or on your smartphone device Um, if you don't have a Bible always feel free to get uh, get one from the back as our free gift to you Uh, and then also uh, download the YouVersion Bible app Um, it is a great free app that helps you to study the Bible and to understand it and I'll give you a moment to turn to Isaiah 53 1 now as you're turning there, you might be wondering has that guy like lost weight? He looks pretty different from the last time I saw him. So to put your minds at ease, I have, I've lost 36 pounds, okay? Thank you very much. So uh, my health is getting a whole lot better. My thyroid went from 106 and we're almost down to where it needs to be 2.5. So thank you, as that was a horrible discovery to find out, but a great discovery because it was causing so many issues uh, this past, uh, well, for a very long time, unfortunately. Um, So I'm going to give a little continuation from the last time I spoke. Last time I said the bottom line was this. Go to your doctor, and I'm adding this one, Ducan Diet. That's from my doctor, okay? It is awesome, and uh, it's sustainable, and it is a game changer. And don't give any elbows out there. Don't wrap that book as a gift for your spouse, okay? Don't do that, all right? Not a good idea. That would not be an unusual gift. That would be punishment. Uh, But anyways... (laughs) So thank you so much for your prayers. It has been a tough season. And thank you for your prayers. Uh, as I, uh, my mother passed away on October 29th uh, unexpectedly, and that was very difficult as I was up there in Michigan uh, with my family uh, during that time. And then she passed away, which none of us expected. So thank you so much um, for all of you who uh, supported Uh, myself, my family members, uh, that meant so much. Um, But you know, I, I kid about the go to the doctor. Here's a really cool thing that happened. Several people went to the doctor and they told us they did, some you know, got checked out and no worries, no concerns, awesome. Some, hey, here's some things that are going on, oh, what a difference in their life. This one person went to the doctor, shortness of breath, was gonna blow it off, heard the message, went to the doctor, went to then the cardiologist and cardiologist said, your heart has got some major issues going on and we need to get in there and fix it, got in there, fixed it, saved her life. And so please, 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 I kid you not, when God says for you to do something, please, Go to your doctor, okay? So enough of that, and let's have a little fun here, all right? So before we dig into the passage, I'm kind of curious, okay? Uh, Out of everyone who's watching online or out here in the audience, uh, I want to find out our football fans, okay? And so what I'm going to do, see, they're already ready. I mean... (laughs) What I'm going to do is on the count of three, I'm going to say one, two, three, and then go and you shout out your team or you type it in the chat or whatever you want to do. If you are like a house divided, like myself and my wife, you can like look at that person and mean it, but don't get in a fight. Okay. Not here afterwards, after the service. But anyways, on the count of three, I'd love for you to get passionate. All right. One, two, three, go. Oh man, that was awesome. You know, notice how football fans like get pumped up. It's kind of like this. You know. Buckeye fans knew I had to get that in there somehow. So that's right. You got 20 years on us, but not my first 24 years. All right. But anyways, so now is that going to go somewhere? Yes. All right. So here's where we're going with all of that. Um, but seriously, imagine if I had the power to predict the two teams that are going to be in the national championship for college here soon. You might be like, ah, well, we know the top four teams that could be in it, you know, right now. Now, imagine if I had the ability to predict the final score and nailed it with those two teams. You'd be like, oh, okay, that's kind of impressive. Now, think if I made a prediction today. And we're still around and football is still popular popular 700 years from now. And I told you the two teams that were going to be in it and the exact score, you would say you're a prophet. Well, that's exactly what Isaiah did. Okay, the man who wrote the scriptures that we're gonna be looking at. Isaiah was a spokesperson or a prophet. On the behalf of God, he would go around speaking what God told him to say and writing down the things that uh, he was supposed to say. Uh, He started to do that in 740 BC and did it for 50 years. And there were over 300 prophecies uh, written in the Old Testament scriptures. Um, Jesus fulfills all of them, including 55 major prophecies that are considered like the major ones with like no issue, here we go, very specific, and many of them are actually found in the book of Isaiah that Isaiah wrote down. And so uh, since we're talking like scores and stuff like that, here's the probability of of that happening, okay? Let's just take eight of those prophecies, okay? Um, It would be like this. If you took a red silver dollar, a silver dollar you paint red, and you threw it into the state of Texas, and the entire state of Texas was filled with silver dollars that were two feet high. You stir the whole state of Texas, and you take one person, you put a blindfold on them, they get to walk wherever they want in the state of Texas, and they get one shot to pick out that red one. That is the mathematical probability. I didn't come up with that, a lot smarter guys came up with me with that. Um, But it's also the probability of one person writing down eight things that come true 700 years later. And Isaiah did more than that. And we're gonna check out some of those things. And today's message, it's gonna sound kinda like a resurrection message or like an Easter message. And you're gonna see the importance of how that unfolds, especially for the birth. Of the Savior. And so let's see what God revealed over 700 years from the birth of Jesus, 2,700 years from right now, um, about Jesus' birth, beginning in Isaiah 53 1. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? So at this time, when Isaiah wrote this, many of the Jewish people, they were like turning their backs on God. Uh, Isaiah found his words were falling on deaf ears. And so there was so much infighting, divisiveness, uh, politics that was happening. I mean, hardly anybody was listening to God. Sound familiar? All right. And the Jewish people, they were supposed to represent God to the nations. Um, they were supposed to be a great light, a beacon of hope, and they were supposed to uh, attract all the nations so that those nations could have a relationship with God. Um, but it wasn't happening. And Isaiah was constantly reminding the people of their true purpose, but they turned against it. And this is what he wrote. Uh, he said to uh, the nation of Israel, "'Arise, Jerusalem, let your light shine for all to see, "'for the glory of the Lord rises to shine on you. "'Darkness as black as night "'covers all the nations of the earth, "'but the glory of the Lord rises and appears over you. "'All nations will come to your light. "'Mighty kings,' or wise men, "'will come to see your radiance.'" So God knew he had to do something In order to get the attention of everyone. And so God reveals to Isaiah exactly what he was going to do for his people, the nations, and for us before it happened. And so God would use his powerful arm not to strike down the nations, that's not God's heartbeat, but instead to reveal to them that he would do something extraordinary, something that no one expected. He would send his son to die in our place and he would send a star to light the way for these wise men who were not Jewish, okay? Clearly, they were not Jewish, but from other nations to find the Savior of the world. That's what Israel was supposed to do, but they weren't doing it. And so God saw it through by giving this special invitation to these wise men to follow the star. Now, you might ask the question, okay, like, How did these wise men uh, know to bring this expensive gift used for the dead uh, for an infant? And how did these wise men know that this infant was destined to die, okay? Well, there's indications that these wise men were from the uh, ancient uh, historical area of Babylon, okay? And Isaiah, when he wrote this passage that we're checking out, uh, that was probably at the end of his life in about 681 B.C., okay? And um, all of a sudden, in 605 BC, what was left around Isaiah 's time uh, was conquered by Babylon. And you remember, um, Babylon took all the like wealth and all the smart people like from Israel. They took like Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, Daniel, you remember those names? And Daniel, uh, instead of like becoming a Babylonian, he continues to remain faithful to God, and he becomes like pretty much like a prime minister. He speaks to the king, he interprets dreams and everything. This guy gained influence quickly. And so who knows how long his influence lasted after his 70 years of being in power. He could have easily had people writing uh, scribes, continuing to copy the Old Testament scriptures, Isaiah, and his book that he wrote, the book of Daniel. And so he could have started a school, almost like Bible studies and everything. So these wise men could have went to one of these schools one time, read these scriptures for themselves like we have them ourselves, And they probably read these scriptures and became aware of these prophecies telling that a Messiah would come and exactly who he was. So if you're kind of like skeptical in nature, you know, you kind of doubt God and everything, God wants you to know that he does things in history. And he wants you to know and understand that because these things really happened. And he does that so that you can trust him, that you can put your trust in. In him. So let's look at these scriptures that the wise men themselves would have most likely read that gave them an idea of what was to come. Verse 2 My servant, that's Jesus, grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground, which refers to the environment that he was born into. So when Jesus was born, Um, Israel and the whole world was not a paradise, okay? So that was true, and there was plenty of dry ground. Uh, At that time, most of the known world uh, was controlled by Rome. Uh, Most of the Jewish religious leaders, um, they were trying to appease the Romans, and yet they were also trying to control their people with tough religious uh, rules. And then Herod uh, made himself king over the Jews, even though he wasn't Jewish, and Rome kind of let him do that because he was ruthless, And he kept the Jews in check and he just like squashed them. And so it was a dark place, but yet God was setting the stage for something to grow out of nothing. Continuing verse two, there was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. So Jesus, he didn't look like a king. He wasn't like handsome. He wasn't winsome uh, with his appearance Instead, he was a carpenter. He was a carpenter from Nazareth. Nazareth was like the armpit of the world. It was like Hickville, okay? Instead, people came because he showed compassion and he healed the sick and he uh, reached out to those who had been rejected. He healed many people. He taught like no one had ever taught about God. And despite doing that, people came to him to get something from him okay? People came to him to be healed, but they didn't follow him. People came to him to uh, have freedom from the religious and the uh, politics of the day, but yet they would not trust him. They would not give their allegiance to him. So verse three, he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. So Jesus was rejected because he did not represent the things that the people wanted him to represent, which was wealth, power, prestige, acceptance. Now, don't we often want God to kind of be like a genie for us, granting us our wishes and our desires? You know, and don't say this out loud, but, you know, haven't we been just as guilty in rejecting Jesus because we rather follow our way rather than his ways? But Jesus knew that would happen. He knew as it was predicted for that to happen, and he knew we wanted to do things our ways. And watch how he responds, okay? He didn't strike us down. He didn't like hold things over our heads and guilt us. Instead, this is what he did. Verse 4, Yet it was our weakness he carried, meaning he was willing to die on the behalf of everyone so that they could have uh, a relationship with God and have a right standing. It was our sorrows that weighed him down, referring to the consequences and the penalties of our sin that he knew he was going to have to take on and become sin itself. And the night before he died on the cross, he's uh, praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's, uh, he's struggling so much with the weight of this that he begins to sweat blood, which you can actually do when you're under such excruciating um, suffering and excruciating um, like carrying a load. And um, he asked God, like, God, if it's your will, could you do something different? Do I have to do this? And God said, no, this has gotta be done. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion. Nails were driven through his wrists and feet to attach him to the cross. A spear was thrusted into his side. Um, He was crushed for our sins, both physically and spiritually as well. He was beaten so we could be whole. He would embrace God's plan, go through the suffering, take the beating from the Roman soldiers, take their punches, take their pushing down on the thorn of crowns that they put and beat into his head. And he was whipped so we could be healed. He would endure a criminal's penalty, a criminal's whipping as his punishment, even though he did no wrong for our punishment instead. Now, doesn't that sound familiar? I mean, isn't that what Jesus did like Hours before he died. This was written 700 years before his birth. And so if Jesus came and died, like no big deal, okay? But Jesus said he came to die for our sins, that he was the light of the world, that he was the lamb of God. That makes it different. That's how much he loves us. And he says it. He says this in John 12, 46. He says, I have come as a light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. What did Isaiah write about the nation of Israel? supposed to be a light in the dark. So it should be no surprise kind of what comes next with Isaiah and what he writes, you know, because we've all have kind of doubted God or didn't believe in him at one point or still don't believe in him or we have kind of like you know, gone our own way at times and drifted. So verse six, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Now, did Isaiah just call us sheep? He did. All right. He he called us sheep. Should we get offended at that? No. What do sheep do? They get lost. They wander, you know, haven't we done that? Haven't we all gotten lost? Haven't we all wondered? Haven't we all regretted, man, I wish I didn't go in that direction. You know, haven't we all sinned? We don't like that word, right? Especially in our culture. But if you look back at what's happened over the last two years in our culture, man, we have seen some horrible stuff. We've seen stuff on social media. We have seen stuff with race. We have seen stuff in politics. We have seen stuff with this pandemic. We have seen so much ugliness, nastiness, divisiveness. And haven't we all participated in it? Like maybe with our thoughts? maybe with some of our words, or maybe with what we've posted, you know? Because sin is a major problem. And Jesus said he would come to do something about it. And here's what God revealed to Isaiah of what Jesus would do. Picking back up in verse six. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. And here's a huge word, Yet, yet, the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. I mean, isn't that amazing? Jesus came to die on our behalf to pay the price for our sins. All of our sins is what Isaiah writes. So why would these wise men worship an infant? Obviously, as they searched the scriptures, they came... Uh, to grips with their own sin. And they were amazed that God would send his own son to die on our behalf so that they could have a right standing with God. They knew these passages about Jesus. They knew these passages about a Messiah coming and what he would be like and what he would do. And that's why myrrh was an appropriate gift that they brought. And if there's still any doubt, okay, um, God continues to give us more specifics because he doesn't want to leave a shadow of doubt with us ever. Verse seven, he was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. Numerous people witnessed the fact that Jesus never said a word or defended himself in the three trials that he was put on the night before he died. He didn't say a word. And yet people were like, Jesus, you're innocent, you, this shouldn't be happening. They knew these trials were wrong. He was like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared and he died without descendants. That his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong And had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. Now, didn't Joseph of Arimathea, a rich man, provide his grave 700 years later? Verse 10. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. Descendants. Now, when we see those words such as like offering for sin, sacrifice, lamb, that is a strong connection that God wants us to get, okay? See, many years prior to this, God instituted a celebration called Passover, and Passover was an event that happened. Uh, The Jewish people were enslaved to the Egyptians. God rescued them out of Egypt um, at that time by sending death, And the only way to escape judgment was to take this lamb without blemish, it was perfect, a one-year-old lamb, and to sacrifice it. And they were commanded to eat the meat of the lamb and then to take the blood, the blood of an innocent lamb, and to smear it on their doorposts um, above and on the sides. And when death came that night, um, if you had done that, then uh, you would be Passover and the innocent blood of that lamb paid for your sins uh, because God had to bring judgment in that moment. And so um, here's the really cool thing. Like that celebration has been happening once a year since the beginning it was instituted. Now they don't do the sacrificing of the lamb anymore, but for many hundreds of years they did every year to remember what God did. And how he could take away their sins. Now, it's pretty cool because when you look at the doorposts, uh, the cross, you see in it. And in that, it foreshadows what Jesus, the Lamb of God, would do. When you look at the top of that doorpost, that's where Jesus' head would have been. When you look on the side, that's where his arms would have been. That blood would have dripped down from those doors and very easily formed a cross. Jesus' back was whipped, and we know that. It was prophesied in Isaiah, and then it was recorded by eyewitnesses when Jesus was on trial and beaten. And so here's this clear picture that God has been sending to us, been sending to you, and Jesus embraced this. In fact, he says this. In Luke 9.22, he says, Uh, He predicted his own death. He said, the son of man must suffer many terrible things. He will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He will be killed, but on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. And that's why these wise men who knew these prophecies obviously knew the Old Testament scriptures and had a little help from God with a star that led them And that's why they made their way to Bethlehem. And when they made their way to Bethlehem, myrrh, which is a substance used to embalm the dead, also foreshadowed what would be to come. And this is what happened. When Jesus grew up, John the Baptist, who was predicted to come before Jesus, was to call out and point out to everyone who was the Messiah. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we know this happened because hundreds of people saw Jesus die. Many people saw him embalmed with myrrh. Hundreds of people saw Jesus come back to life from the dead. It was an event. It was something that happened in history. And today, the nations continue to celebrate Jesus. And Jesus said this, he said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Now, when we come to understand the magnitude of Jesus's suffering and the depth of his love, then it's easy to say yes to the savior of the world. And when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, God gives us a right standing with him and he forgives us of our sins. And so if I could leave you with one thing today, it'd be simply this, here's our bottom line. I don't want you to forget this. When Jesus becomes our Lord and savior, the trajectory of our lives will be changed, forever your life will be changed forever and so here's how we're going to conclude real simple question today plain and simple what is the trajectory of your life are you walking in darkness and lost are you carrying a burden and shame that you don't know anything to do about because you feel so guilty for what you have done Jesus came and died for you and for your sins. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how many dark spots you have been in. Jesus wants to be your savior and forgive you of your sins. You know, another aspect of myrrh that we didn't highlight was it was used as a healing agent. And Jesus has the power to heal and to give us a new life. A new life that can never be destroyed by sin or death. A new life that where we can walk with God and he can lead us. A new life where we have hope and a purpose for our lives and for others around us as well. And so today, if you have never, maybe you just said, wow, I've never connected those dots. That's what God's been doing for you. He's been connecting the dots forever. Because he loves you. And so today, will you make him your savior? And so in a moment, we're gonna do that. We're gonna close in prayer and you can have an opportunity to enter into a relationship with him. Now, for the rest of us who are like Christ followers, you know, what response should we have today? Well, our response should be simply this. We should worship him. Just like when the wise men came, they knew who he was. They knew what he was going to do and they worshiped him. And so today, as we sing this song that's just powerful reminder of Jesus being the Lamb of God, I want us to praise him. I want us to say thank you for being born, Jesus. Thank you for all the predictions that were made about you. Thank you for fulfilling them. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Because remember, if Easter didn't happen, there wouldn't be a Christmas. Because he came to die for a reason. And that was for you and for me. And so let's praise him. Let our hearts cry out and worship who he is in this season as we remember what he did for us. So go ahead and stand and let's close in prayer. And then let's sing this song um, and remember what he's done. So Father, we thank you so much for what you have done. From the beginning of time, you've been pursuing us. You've been connecting the dots. You've written so many prophecies. It is hard to imagine. But God, when we do the work, we see these things have been written 2,700 years ago, and they came true through Jesus. There's someone here today that just made sense. They've been in the dark They've been wondering, they've been lost. Today they can be found by you. So if that's you, if you're watching online or you're here today, would you just simply say this to God to enter into his family? You have to say, I do, just like when we get married. And so this is how you say I do to God. And so would you just say these things and pray them and mean them? It doesn't matter the words, but would you say this to him? Dear Jesus, Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for coming here. Thank you for defeating death by coming back to life from the dead. Will you forgive me of my sins? I want to be found. I make you today my Lord And Savior, forgive me. I am yours. Have you prayed that with heads bowed still? We just want to know, would you just raise your hands and just say, yeah, that was what I did today. Is that the decision? Awesome. Keep them up. Raise them a little higher so I can see. Thank you. Great. If you're watching online, please contact us and let us know. That's awesome. Let's continue to pray. Father, thank you for these four people who put their life in your hands. God, thank you for being so good to us, to giving us so many signs and warnings because you care about us. You love us. May we understand the depth of your love. God, today we are gonna sing this song to you, Jesus, the Lamb of God. The one who takes away the sins of the world. Who does not bring division, but brings unity, brings peace. And so give us a great time of celebrating you. In Jesus' name, amen.